Here's Chris. Well, good morning. Sounded kind of weak. Maybe you're tired today. Um, Thank you. Maybe some of you watched IU beat Kentucky yesterday. And those of you who are Kentucky fans are like, I'm not coming back to this place. But uh, it's an exciting win. Uh, If you would, I'd like you to uh, pull out in your program, there's a a card that looks like this. If you could pull that out for a second. What we're going to do uh, Christmas time is kind of do what we call Christmas Unplugged. Uh, Christmas is a great time for you to invite your friends, family, co-workers, uh, different folks, people who might be... uh, disconnected from Christ or the church, it's the best time of year for you to get a yes from them because they're more willing and apt to do that during Christmas than any other time of the year uh, except for Easter. And so I would encourage you uh, to take this and to invite at least one person uh, next week or uh, if next week doesn't work, uh, the 24th or 25th. Now, what's really cool about our Christmas Eve and Christmas Day is that they are shortened celebrations. (laughs) In other words, they're only about 45 minutes. And we come, we do it, and uh, we connect with God, and then you have a chance to go be with your family and friends. Now, some of your uh, folks that you will invite to this, though, will be like, I already got plans, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. You're like, okay. Well, next Sunday is the Sunday you can invite them. Now, I want to share with you Uh, something that will help you uh, increase the level of them coming next Sunday. When you invite them, say, hey, we're having this thing, most people will be like, oh, okay. And then go one step further and say, I will meet you at the front door in the lobby of the line. Because what happens often is people come to a building like this and they have no clue where to go, what to do, uh, anything like that. And uh, if you tell them, hey, I'll meet you there, what's always great about that is if they have kids, then you can help them show where their kids can be uh, served and cared for. And if they like donuts or coffee or that, you can kind of take them through that. And then most of all, you can honestly say, hey, if you come, you can sit with me. You see, folks, one of the things that's most difficult is a lot of times we might go invite someone, but we don't go the next step to actually say, hey, I'll sit with you or I'll be there. And so I hope that you'll do this uh, for next week. Because people matter to God. And because people matter to God, they need to matter to us. So you're going to do that next week, right? Right. Okay. Hey, let's pray and uh, we'll jump in. God, thank you uh, so much uh, for this morning, for bringing us together in this place. You are always with us, and you are constantly drawing us closer to you, helping us uh, in so many ways. And your desire, God, is that we would take a next step and grow closer to you. Help us this week, God, to take that step to walk across an office floor or a factory floor or across a, 
a road to a neighbor and to invite someone, God, um, to come and experience you. It's not so much about the jar and what we do, but God, we want people to know you and to experience you. And so I pray that you would help people do that. God, give us courage this week because I really believe that there are some folks here that want to do this. They want to walk across the room and show love to someone. And when they come, God, I pray that they would experience you. God, so many of their friends are overwhelmed and stressed by so much going on in life. And they need a chance to unplug and to hear a word from you. So do that so that lives would be changed and your name would be great. God, now come and open our ears so that we might hear from you. I pray that you would speak to each person in this place, that they would hear directly from you and help us to take one step closer. Come, Holy Spirit, you move, and we'll follow. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, How many of you have a baby in your life right now? Maybe you're a mom, dad, grandma, grandpa. You got a new niece, new nephew. Okay, Uh, everybody raise your hand if you have that. Okay, keep it up just for a second. Um, Now, all the rest of you, have you ever seen a baby before? Okay, 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 raise your hand. You know, we want everyone to feel included. Okay, you kind of got the concept of what a baby is. Well, we were kind of excited last night. Some friends of ours uh, had a baby, and uh, we kind of celebrated with them. And when people are looking forward to that time, typically what they'll do is they'll uh, pick out a book of baby names. And uh, it might look like this one, uh, The Perfect Baby Name Book. And couples will spend hours flipping through the pages of that book and looking at different names and trying to figure out. And maybe it's kind of in the early stages and they're not even sure if it's going to be a a boy or a girl. And so they have this whole list of, you know, boy names. And then they write down this list of girl names. Now, my oldest daughter, Jordan, was almost not Jordan. We were going through these lists of names, and when we got to the girls' names, I I found this name that I just thought was going to be amazing. I mean, it was a name that had biblical significance. Jesus had done some miracles in this town before, and I thought, this is going to be great. And so I go to my wife, Jennifer, and I'm like so excited. I go, hey, Jen, I got this name. I'm thinking, I think we should name, you know, if it's a girl, Bethany. And she kind of looked at me like, Bethany, what are you talking about? We're not going to name our daughter Bethany. Can you listen to her last name now? Bethany Bunch. (laughs) Kids are going to be walking around going, hey, BB, look at BB. Or, you know, our our family's going to call her B squared. Um, You know, that kind of thing. And she's like, no, we're not going to call her. Bethany. So I'm like, okay, well, you know, we, we didn't know until Jordan was born whether she was a boy or a girl, so we, I thought, well, let's go to the boy name. So I 
I looked through these boy names and I found the name. It was the name of a character in the Bible who was faithful and loyal. Um, He was a person who uh, just did great things uh, for God. And so uh, I looked at his his name. It it means faithful. It means loyal. And and so I go to Jen again. I'm all excited. And I'm like, hey, I think I got the perfect name. She's like, oh, okay, well, if we have a boy. And she's like, okay, what is it? And I said, it's Caleb. She just went, we're not calling him Caleb. I said, what's wrong with Caleb? Now, if you're, there's some Caleb's in here, don't go away mad, okay? I said, it's a great name. She goes, I saw the root of that name. It means dog. We are not calling our son Dog. And I was like, okay, I I guess that's the way it is. You know, you just don't do that. But honey, it really means faithful and loyal. I'll always remember that he's a dog. I'm like, okay. Well, we had a Jordan. And we feel blessed to have a Jordan. And you know, kind of like our friends last night, the moment came in which the baby was born and they picked up the phone and they called their mom and dad and they go, hey, you're a grandma. You're a, you're a grandpa. They pick up the phone from the delivery room. They call their sister or brother and they go, you're an uncle. You're an aunt. We've decided that we're going to you know, call her Kylie. And uh, we're so excited. Or if it's a boy, we're going to, you know, we're going to call him Jacob. And right now we thought it would be cute. We're going to call him Jakey right now. And folks, I just want you to know this morning that names are important. Names are very, very important. Your name is important. God called you out and your name out for a reason, for a purpose. You know, 700 years before uh, Jesus was ever born, before God sent His one and only Son, um, God kind of sent out a birth announcement. 700 years. He's a little bit early. But, you know, He sent out this birth announcement through a prophet Isaiah. And this is what the announcement said. It said, For to us a child is born. There's the announcement. To us a son is given. He's like, it's going to be a boy. It's going to be a boy. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I don't know about you, but does that name sound a little bit complicated to you? I mean, you know, most people, when they name someone, they have like a first name, a middle name, and a last name. But this kid isn't even born yet, and already he's got four names. And you see, the reason is is that in this culture, a name, when a name was given, it wasn't just a name like, you know, people just pull out names. But a name kind of defined the essence of who that person was. So Isaiah predicts, he prophesies seven centuries before Jesus was ever born that the essence of the one that you are waiting for 
His name is going to mean wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now the question that we have this morning is, well, why did people need to know that? And why in the world did they need to know that, you know, 700 years before he actually came? Why? Why was it so important for Isaiah to give this birth announcement long before? I mean, it says that when Jesus comes, that one of the terms that he's going to be given is wonderful counselor. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, well, what kind of counsel were people receiving at that time? Well, if we look a little bit before chapter 9, verse 6, in chapter 8, verse 19, it says this. It says, when someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? Now, where were the people seeking their counsel from? What's it say? From the dead, from mediums, from spiritists, from, you might say, an occult. I mean, I was just kind of shocked and stunned as you read a little bit, you know, before this text that we've been talking about the last two weeks, that people were actually turning to darkness rather than to light. People were turning away from the one true God and they were turning toward the occult. I mean, just before the passage of the birth announcement of Jesus, that he's going to be a wonderful counselor, what's going on in Isaiah's day right now is that it is filled with darkness. It is a very dark, dark time. And Isaiah is saying, why... Are you consulting with the spirits of the dead rather than the spirit of the one true God? For instance, let's say that next Sunday comes and you walk in here. You invite your friends because you're all going to invite your friends, right? And you bring them in here, and we have all the lights turned off. And up here, we just have a table, and I'm sitting there, and I have two candles that are lit. And in the midst of everything, we don't sing any songs or worship God. We just wait till everyone gets here. And then I say something like this, O spirits of the dead, come be with us right now. Show us, O God, where the 20 acres of land shall be. Spirits of the dead, come right now. Well, if that happened, some of you would be like, man, things have changed at the jar. I mean, bunch is whack. Has he been smoking something? You know? And you would be like, we're getting out of here. We're done. Or let's say that uh, you sign up for a small group. And I would strongly encourage you, some of you are going to have New Year's resolutions coming up pretty soon. I'll tell you, the thing that should be on the top of your chart is to be in a small group. 
Because you will never grow as much when you're out by yourself. You need a group of people. And so I just want to strongly encourage you to sign up for a small group. You can go on your Connect card next week, just on the back. Just check small group, and uh, you can get connected. Well, let's say that you do that, and you say, hey, I'm going to be a part of a small group. And uh, January comes, and you go to a small group, and people greet you, and the small group leader comes up, and, and there's a time of prayer, and you're kind of like, you know, I've been looking for some direction in my life, and, you know, I thought this small group might help me, and I'm not so sure how things are going, and I uh, just wanted to get some help. And let's say that the small group leader says, well, um, you know what? Have you prayed about it? And, they, and you say, yeah, I've prayed about it, but I just haven't got anything. And then all of a sudden they say, well, let's just get the Ouija board out and let's find out. And all of a sudden, you know, you're going like this. You're like, whoa, what's up with these small groups? You'd be stunned, wouldn't you? You'd be shocked if one of those two scenarios took place. And in Isaiah's day, folks, the darkness has descended upon the people. And instead of seeking God's wisdom, they are seeking the dark side. They're turning to mediums and spiritists, and they're calling out to dead spirits. So when Isaiah says, one day there is one who is coming, and he will be a wonderful counselor, please understand why he says that, because the world that he's speaking to in the present is very dark. Now let's look at the next verse in verse 20. And let's look at the light imagery. It says all this darkness is there. And then in verse 20 it says, Consult God's instruction and the testimony. In other words, construct the Bible, His words of warning. If anyone does not speak according to the word, they have no what? No light of dawn. Darkness and death. Death and darkness. That's what's going on in Isaiah's day. Now, some of you are thinking right now, isn't this supposed to be a Christmas bunch? I mean, I thought you'd bring a little joy to me. You know, and all you're talking about is darkness and, you know, all this bad stuff. Thanks for the encouragement. Glad I got up early today, you know. Well, this is what's so cool. Chapter 8 finally closes, and chapter 9 comes, and at the very beginning of it, there is this brand new vision that is given. A vision for the future, a vision for the Messiah, a vision for light. And in chapter 9, verse 2, it says this, The people walking in what? Darkness have seen a great what? Light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And then a few verses later, what does it tell us? It says, For unto us a child will be born, a son will be given, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He says, God's light is coming into your darkness. The darkness will not get the last word. God's light is going to come and it will shine. And He is going to be a wonderful counselor. 
The people that Isaiah is writing to is going through a dark time, but he tells them the darkness will not have the last word. You know, I realize that some of you this morning are going through a dark time. When you look back on 2011, what it will be known for is you losing your job. And this whole year has been about employment, unemployment. Employment, unemployment. And you've just gotten so frustrated. And you're tired. And you're worn out. You're like, God, why can't I just have a steady, stable job? It's a season of darkness. Some of you, you started out the year and you, you and your, your spouse got together and you're like, hey, let's start a family and everything was going well. And then all of a sudden, the baby's heartbeat wasn't found and now you've lost the baby. You've had a miscarriage and it's dark. Some of you will remember this year as the year that the adoption fell through. You've done the whole process, and it just didn't happen. For some of you, this will be the first Christmas that you will experience joint custody. It's not a divorce that you wanted, but it's there. And this Christmas, you'll take your kids to your spouse's house, and you'll drop them off on Christmas Eve, and you'll go back to your own home or to your own apartment and you will pretend like everything's fine, everything's good, but you know the loneliness and the darkness that you feel. For some of you, this is the first season without your mom or dad. It's the first Christmas without your spouse. For some of you, you lost a child years ago. 5, 10, 15 years ago. But every Thanksgiving to Christmas, it's just like it suffocates you with grief because of what you're going through. And you're like, will I ever have joy again in Thanksgiving and Christmas? Will it ever feel normal? And you're going through a dark season, and it's real, and it hurts, and there's pain. But I have something to say to you this morning. In fact, I kind of pray it over you, that our gracious God would give you light in the midst of your darkness. That His light would invade your darkness and give you hope. Where there is grief, that you would find moments of joy. That in the valley that you're traveling, that God would give you enough strength to look up so that you could see that there is light just around the bend. Isaiah says, I know that darkness is here. I know it is. But, but, 
For unto us a child is born. For unto us a son has been given. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And what happens is people wait. And they wait for days, and then weeks, and then months, and then years, and then decades, and then centuries, and empires rise, and empires fall. But finally, the day comes, and the Messiah, the promised one, is born. And a young woman named Mary, who's just a teenager, has this firstborn son, and she places him in a manger, and the nativity becomes a reality. You have God coming down from earth to, from heaven. You have him coming down from heaven to earth. He comes downstairs to earth, and he says, now, Christ is with us. Now, who is it that's in the manger? Who is it? Well, it's Jesus. The little baby Jesus. The little five-pound baby Jesus. You know? Some of you want me to go Ricky Bobby on you right now. I, I know. Some of you are like, what? But this is the point, folks. Names are important, but the most important name is Jesus. The name of Jesus is most important. Like, if you only get those two things, that names are important, but the name of Jesus is most important, and you live your life that way for the rest of your life, life's going to be beautiful. His name is above all other names. In fact, Scripture tells us that at one day, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that He is Lord, that His name is above every other name. So the one who is in the manger, this Jesus, who's in a feeding trough, in a stable, is Jesus. But it's not just Jesus, right? Because Isaiah said, it's not just Jesus, the one who saves, but He is Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, like He's here. He was here before you got here this morning, and He's present, and He's here right now. Now John, one of Jesus' closest followers and friends, he writes about this connection of how God the Creator allowed His one and only Son to come to earth in the person of Jesus, and this is what he says. In the beginning was the Word, that is, Jesus Christ, Christ Himself, God's Son. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing has been made. Now look at verse 4. Check this out. In Him was life, and that life was what? Light for all people. John says, in him was light, and his light was life, eternal life, to be present with him forever. When Christ came down, he gave light and life, life and light. And I just wonder if John, when he's writing this, he remembers this passage 
from Isaiah where it says, Into the darkness my light will shine. The people walking in dark have seen a great light. And in the land of darkness a light will once again dawn. Jesus comes from the penthouse of heaven down to the outhouse of earth. And when He comes to earth, He says, I'm not going to look at people any other way except that they're my brothers and sisters. And so He comes down and He gives light. And He gives light. But Jesus doesn't say the little. He doesn't say the little baby. He grows up and He matures. He becomes an adult. He talks. And He teaches. And He tells others. And He collects a group of believers. But this is what I found about some of the teachings of Jesus. That they are some of the most disturbing words that there are. When I take them and I obey them, they disrupt my life. For example... One time Jesus is uh, on a mountaintop and it says that he sits down because he doesn't have to stand over people. He can just sit and tell them. And he's on this mountaintop and uh, he begins to teach his disciples. And these are the words that he shares. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Does that sound weird to anyone else other than me? That's weird teaching. That's crazy talk. Whoa, 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 whoa. I think if I were there, I'd be like, uh, dude, um... No, that's not the way that it works. You are to bless people who bless you. Somebody, you know, scratches your back, you scratch theirs. But people who despise you, you should despise them. And people who hate you, you should hate them. Now I'm going to meddle here just a little bit. Okay? You know what meddling is? I'm going to ask. Get into y'all business a little bit. Who hurt you? Your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your kids, your ex-spouse, your boss, a business person. Who hurt you? Your husband, your spouse, your fiance. And I have another question, and it's this What are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that hurt? You see, folks, wounds that are unhealed, they fester, they get infected. And if we're not careful, they can turn to a dark side of bitterness and resentment and ugliness. You see, first of all, the darkness happens to you. 
Then the darkness happens in you. And then the darkness happens through you. Let me say that again. First the darkness happens to you. Then it happens in you. And then it happens through you. And Jesus says, look, folks, you don't want to live that way. You don't. And so he says, pray for those who persecute you and love those who hurt you. And maybe, just maybe, it's wonderful counsel that he's saying, I'm trying to rescue you. I'm on a rescue mission to rescue you from being angry, old, bitter people. One of the hardest and saddest things I do in my job is that every once in a while I sit beside the bed of someone who is close to death and they are angry and they are bitter and it is just horrible. And Jesus says, don't do that. Did you know that Jesus knows you best and he loves you most? And the reason he gives you counsel isn't to mess up your life. It's to make it better so that you don't allow the darkness to have control. To draw you out of darkness. And then maybe, just maybe, we would say that is. That's that's wonderful counsel. Another time, Jesus uh, has an argument with his disciples. Did you know that? Jesus and his disciples, his closest followers, they had arguments all the time. Just like a family. And this argument was about who was going to be the greatest. They're like, all right, Jesus, we know you're like El Presidente. You know, you're at the top of it all. But who's going to be second and third and fourth? Who's going to be the vice president? You know, the the treasurer, the secretary. Who's going to have all that? Now, when you're gone, who is it that's going to be the person that's going to, like, take over? And Jesus is like, whoa, whoa, guys. That's not the way it's going to work. It's not going to work like that at all. This is the way that it's going to work. He says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be what? Served, but to serve. And to give his life up as a ransom for many. Jesus says, hey guys, I came to planet Earth to Serve, not to be served. I came to give my one and only life. And he said, the whole point is this, folks. If you're going to follow me, it's about serving and giving. I will serve. I will give. I came to give. I came to serve. I came to give. I came to serve. Just a question. Uh, Do self-absorbed, self-centered people annoy you? They annoy me. They annoy the heck out of me. I don't know why self-centered, self-focused people annoy you, but the reason that they particularly annoy me is because they're only thinking about themselves. And they're not thinking about me. They should be thinking about me. Now, I have a confession to make. Without the saving power of Jesus Christ in my life and the conviction of the Holy Spirit, folks, my whole life would be focused on me. 
I'm capable of thinking about me pretty much all the time. I like thinking about me. It's Mission Chris. I kind of like it. It's right. Feels good, you know? Mission Chris. But often what happens is Jesus has hears me thinking this or acting like this, and he'll come in and whisper and he'll say, Come on, bunch. Mission Chris? What's that about? And I'm like, it's a good mission. And then he says this, it's too small. A mission about yourself, folks, is too small. And Jesus is begging you and me this morning, especially this Christmas. That's why you invite people, not just so the church gets bigger. You invite people because you go, we are on a mission. And you've got to be on a mission that goes beyond yourself. You see, even when you die, folks, the mission that you have will be carrying on because of what you left in this place. And you sure don't want to be that person, you know, who didn't leave anything except yourself. Well, I left me, myself, and I. Woo! Jesus says, follow me, follow me. I came to serve, I came to give, I came to serve, I came to give. It's a better way to live. Folks, this is wonderful counsel. And it's not just from anyone, but it's from the one who knows you best and loves you most. And he's trying to pull you out of the darkness of self-absorption and self-centeredness. And the question really becomes, will we listen? One of the most challenging uh, questions Jesus ever gave, he gave to his disciples. One day he just turned to them and he said, hey guys. He said, why do you call me Lord and you don't do what I say? Why do you call me Lord and you don't follow my directions? This is one of the most challenging things Jesus ever gives. So let's just close by me asking a couple of questions of you. The first question is this. Has there been movement in your life over this past year? Has God kind of whispered to you and said, hey, I want this area of your life to change. I'd like you to grow in this. And you're like, yes, Lord, I'll follow you. I'm willing to put my past behind. I'm willing to put my past pattern behind. I'm willing to put my addiction aside. I'm willing to put my habit aside. I'm ready to let go of the anger. I'm ready to let go of the bad attitude. I'm ready to really be able to focus in on some financial plans in my life so that I don't live just paycheck to paycheck. So has God been attempting to get your attention over this past year? And did you say yes? And for some of you in this place, you could raise your hand and you'd say, you know what, it's, it's true. He asked me to take some steps and I've done that. And when you say that, you're not saying, hey, I'm perfect, i got it all together. You're just saying, you know what, he asked and I'm making some progression. It's not about perfection, it's about progression. And if that's you right now, I just want to pause for a second. I want you to know that the Father in Heaven who created you is smiling. It's like, oh, look at my kid. 
hymns. I'm so proud of them. They took some steps. I know it wasn't easy. I know it was hard. But they took some steps. And I'm so proud of them. And today, you know, we'll watch football games. And, you know, football games are fun. And every once in a while, it's great to see that Hail Mary pass that goes 70 yards. But you know what the greatest joy is of a team? Is when inch by inch, yard by yard, they do a big, long drive of maybe 80 yards. They just keep moving the ball. And that's what Jesus wants to say to some of you who are doing well today. He's saying, keep moving. Keep moving. Keep taking some first downs. Now that's question number one. Anyone want to guess what question number two is? Is there a chance that God has been prompting you? He has been asking you to work at some area in your life that's kind of dark, and you just keep saying no. And God's saying, if you stay on this path, you're going to hurt yourself, but you're going to hurt a lot of other people along the way. And any chance that you just kind of cross your hands your arms together, and you're just like, no, I'm not going to change that. I'm not going to forgive her. I'm not going to change that area of my life. I'm not going to do it. You just kind of stiff-armed God, and you said, no. I just wonder today, rather than keeping your arms like this, would you be willing to just open up your arms and open up your hands and say, God, I don't want to go through another year I don't want to wait another Christmas having this. So, God, I'm opening myself up to you. I need you. I want to change. Last thing. God has a plan for you. In your teaching notes, it just says, God has a plan for, and it says, fill in the blank. And I really want to encourage you, you put your name in there. God has a plan for Chris. God has a plan for Derek. God has a plan for Jennifer. God has a plan for you this Christmas. And part of that plan is you opening up your hand and saying, God, I'm even opening that dark thing in my life to you. You just say, Jesus, I need a piece of you. And he says, that's fine. Folks, Jesus wants to be your everything. Not just something. He wants to be your everything. That's why He left heaven and came to earth, because He wants to be everything for you. He wants a relationship. You see, if if God would have just stayed in heaven, folks, there would still be this distance. But because He came to planet Earth, He says, I want a relationship. I want to know you. You see, when Jesus was a baby, He eventually went to a cross. And when He came to the cross and He died on it, that's when darkness ended once and for all. Darkness just stopped. You were no consumed by your sin at that point. A light came. 
And Jesus said, I want to be the God in your living. I want to be the God in your breathing. I want to be a God in your waking. I want to be the God in your sleeping. I want to be the God in your hoping. I want to be the God in your hurting. I want to be the God in your healing. And today there are, there are some tables that are around us here. And God wants to meet you at these tables. Not Chris Bunch, not you know the person that stands there. God actually wants to meet you at these tables. And if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, or today's the day that you desire to want that, these tables are open for all of you. And this is the really cool thing about God. If you said yes, He's very proud of you. He smiles. He says, come to the table. Let's talk. What's the next step? How are we going to get better? How are we going to grow? Let's keep moving. But if on the other side, you've been saying no to God for quite a long time and you've been stiff-arming Him and there's dark areas in your life and you, you don't want to touch that, He says, it's all right. Come to the table. Open up your hands. I can take what you have and I can make something even better. And when you go to these tables, um, I hope I don't get it. When you go to these tables, I invite you to uh, take a piece of bread and to uh, dip it in the juice and to take and eat. And I hope that what you kind of imagine is that when you take off that piece of bread, that you just imagine that's whatever the dark thing is in your life is that's keeping you from having a full relationship with God. Darkest, nastiest thing, whatever that is. Because it said that his body was broken because of our sin. And when you dip it into the juice and you take it, that you would know you are totally forgiven. That that darkness does not have to consume you anymore because there is light that has shined. Just tell God you're sorry. Tell Him, hey, I want to change this. I I know I'm not going to be perfect, but today, the best that I can, God, I open myself up to you and, and I'm ready. And His forgiveness, folks, is guaranteed. You know, during Christmas season, they say all this stuff, guaranteed. And then you come and you're like, this ain't guaranteed. This is guaranteed forgiveness for anything that's dark in your life. What I wanted to do right now, I want to give you a gift from God. Maybe it's been a while since you just kind of talked to him one-on-one. And maybe for some of you, you'd want to open up your hands and you'd just say, hey, whatever that dark thing is, that's it. But we're just going to give you a gift right now uh, to just kind of be one-on-one with God. And then I'm going to close a, kind of a, in a little prayer. And you can go to the tables. But I want to encourage you, come back. Because when we get rid of darkness, folks, we want to celebrate light. The light that is our everything, Jesus himself. So just take a moment right now between you and God. What is that dark thing? And just give it to him. And he'll take it. Let's pray.
God, thank you so much for being our wonderful counselor. The, all, the one who always has our back, even when we say no. God, thank you for being our wonderful counselor, the one who gives good, wise counsel. Jesus, today, we turn our darkness over to you, and we want your light to shine. God, thank you for forgiving all the sins that are in this room today. Any of them that have been asked, God, I want to change this in my life. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. That even right now, God, that you're forgiving people. You're a loving God. You're a good God. You're our everything. And we want you to know today that we need you in our lives, that we need your light in us. You rescued us, God, so that we could be set free. And as we come to these tables now, God, welcome us, remind us that we're forgiven. Remove the darkness, God, and send your
God in my waking, God in my sleeping, God in my resting, there in my working, God in my thinking, God in my speaking, be my everything, be my everything, be my Everything be my everything. God in my hoping, there in my dreaming, God in my watching, God in my waiting, God in my laughing, there in my weeping. God in my hurting, God in my healing, be my everything, be my everything, be my everything, be my everything. Christ in me, Christ in me.
want you to be our everything. We want to make you our everything. So, God, we just, we do that today. We focus on you and through the rest of our week, God, we just want to make you our everything. We pray this in your name. Amen. We'll know that you're loved in this place. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. And prayer team is going to be up here. If you need prayer for anything, they will be up here to pray with you.